You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Nick. <laughs> Man, if you're watching live, you're going to see us on YouTube. You're going to see so, it just 45 seconds ago. We said exactly what we were going to do to start the show, you know? Maybe you're having internet well, issues it. then. I don't know. We're doing Maybe, a uh, pop-up show. Uh, we yeah. we wanted to get some more ten Tennessee information out there on these streets. Uh, we also got some other news we need to report on, but we're going to do a pop-up show uh, with a Tennessee writer. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we so got before some we do that, we've got some news. So before we do that, uh, and Nick, before we jump in and talking to Trey here, uh, quick announcement, uh, former Florida Gators uh, defensive lineman, Andrew Chatfield, who announced earlier this season uh, that he was entering the transfer portal, announced today uh, on Wednesday that he's going to be going to Oregon State. So best of luck to him. Um, as somebody that's been to Corvallis, uh, um, that's a, a very different place uh, than, than Florida. So best of luck uh, to him up there and, and his continued success. Just announced today that uh, probably the most prolific women swimmer of all time, Katie Ledecky, on, quick, uh, is going to be joining the universe. Real, yeah. quick, real quick on Andrew Chatfield. I thought it was dope that Dan Mullen let him participate with the team until he found a landing spot. Um, he entered the transfer portal. Um, and then I, I guess he didn't have any suitors right away. So we, we, we always a little curious why he suited back up for a game. Um, so, so shout out to that, man. I think it's a new era of football that we're entering in with free agency. A lot of these kids get thrown out to the wolves, man. So shout out to Dan for giving them a shot to uh, keep participating with the team until he found a spot. Absolutely. And Andrew Chatfield had a pretty good year, I thought, last year when he did get the chance to play. So I think that he's going to do great uh, over in the Pac-12 and in Oregon's definitely our or Oregon State, pardon me, is definitely help. Uh, so he's going to be able to go in, hopefully make an impact. And, and like I said, we wish him the best of luck and, you know, hope that he's able to fulfill his dreams out in Corvallis, Oregon. Um, and then, uh, as I was saying, uh, Katie Ledecky, who's probably one of the most decorated uh, women swimmers of all time, uh, has joined the University of Florida women program as a volunteer coach and has also announced that she'll be training for the 2024 Olympics under head coach Anthony Nesty, who coaches both men's and women's swimming. So uh, welcome to uh, Gainesville, probably the swimming goat, right? Outside of Michael Phelps, she's she's probably the most recognized swimmer uh, in the world right now. So so welcome to Gainesville, Katie. We're, we're glad to have you. All right, Nick, let's ride. Not the most recognized swimmer. Uh, in the world, but uh, someone that we uh, we we love and we respect, Trey Wallace, uh, newly of Outkick.com, uh, and congratulations, first Trey on on the new gig, and uh, thanks for joining us here. Man, I appreciate it, guys. Thank y'all for for having me on. It's been a uh, a crazy week so far with Outkick, just getting things going and covering the south. You know, it, it's weird. You know, you get off covering like a beat daily, and like mm -hmm. you know that routine and then all of a sudden you're covering the conference you know and, and so it's um it's just getting back to old stomping grounds like it was before so uh, i'm i'm excited and uh the good part about it is i'm still in oxville still covering the balls every single day as well so i'm here to help you guys out with your questions yeah i don't know if uh covering the balls is is great great beats to be covering right now 
but we did our show Monday, and uh, we didn't didn't really know what to expect from the Vols. I'd watched a couple of their games, um, and, and obviously I'd watched Josh Heupel at, at UCF, go Knights. Um, but, yeah, didn't really know what to expect other than they're, they're playing multiple quarterbacks. One of them's hurt, and uh, they go really fast. So uh, I guess we can start, you know, we got our own quarterback injury uh, rivalry competition, whatever you want to call it here in Gainesville. Um, just what's the latest on the Vols quarterback situation? So Josh Heupel is not going to discuss, you know, who the health of Joe Milton right now. Uh, talking with people, he had an ankle injury. He suffered uh, against Pittsburgh, kind of got it tweaked a little bit. They held him out of last week's game. Uh, it's my impression in talking with some folks. He could have gone last weekend if it wasn't Tennessee Tech. Um, so he's been on the practice field. He was on the practice field last Wednesday. Uh, Tennessee does things kind of different. They have a walkthrough on Thursday, uh, and then they really don't do much on a Friday. It's kind of just game planning, getting ready. So he's been out there this week. He was out there uh, Tuesday, and he was out there today. So uh, they think that there's a good chance that he's going to be able to go on Saturday. Um, and, and I think you could potentially see two quarterbacks. Now, Josh Heupel, he was asked the question, look, if Joe Milton is healthy – Will he be the starter? And he said he doesn't deal in hypotheticals. But, you know, in, in in talking with a few folks, you know, they feel like Joe Milton still gives them that best opportunity at a win uh, with his ability to get outside the pocket, much like Hendon Hooker does from, you know, former Virginia Tech quarterback, but his arm as well. Uh, they feel like he can extend plays, uh, have those explosive plays. So it's going to be interesting to me how they roll with it because I thought Hendon Hooker, actually played well against Pittsburgh when he was in the game, and I thought he played well last weekend against Tennessee Tech. And I know you can't take much away from a Tennessee Tech game, but I thought he handled the offense uh, about as good as as expected. You know, the one difference on the quarterback, guys, Joe Milton, you can tell, runs the offense faster than Hendon Hooker does. Um, and that might be by three to four seconds, you know, getting to the line of scrimmage. So I think that's what Josh Heupel and the staff likes about Milton, his ability and his knowledge of the playbook. But we're sitting here right now, and and the game is in, you know, three days, and Tennessee's trying to decide on what they're going to do at the quarterback spot, and uh, they better figure it out quick. It's not like the Florida situation where you got a guy that – We'll probably be ready to go, you know, and Anthony on Saturday. Tennessee is still kind of wavering. So we're going to find out, boys. If you take, you know, now that you're a, a columnist covering the whole league if and not so much on the beat, who gives Tennessee the best chance to win? Is it Milton because he's played there a little bit longer? And I know they want to go fast. So three, four seconds might not seem like a lot, but for a team that wants to be snapping the ball with, you know, 28 seconds left on the game clock, on the play clock, um, is that that much of an advantage? Milton's got – look, if, if Milton could figure out how to get 10 yards off his touch when he comes to throws, Milton might be leading the conference right now in touchdown passes. Um, you, you go back and look at the, the Bowling Green game. You go back and look at the pit game. He overthrew six balls uh, in the pit game to receivers that were wide open. Uh, Bowling Green game was kind of the same thing to open the season up. He's just been off on his accuracy. I don't look, I'm not a quarterback coach. I don't know what they can do when it comes to, Hey man, let a little bit off your ball. You know, don't, don't throw it as hard, whatever, however you want to put it. But if, if he could, and if he does, then Joe Milton is the guy. 
Um, he is that type of quarterback. He, you know, he's six foot five, 245 pounds, 250 pounds. He, I, I hate the comparisons to Cam Newton, but he looks like Cam Newton in the way that he runs um, and, and, and also passes the football. So, you know, but, but Hendon Hooker is that type of guy that's elusive. Hendon, here's, here's the best comparative. Hendon Hooker reminds me of Josh Dobbs. And Josh Dobbs was a guy that was able to, to get away from plays, scramble outside the pocket, be elusive, you know, miss tackles. Joe Milton's the type of guy that's just going to put his head down and run through the tackler. Um, Hendon Hooker's going to try to pick up those five extra five to six yards. So they've, they've got a decision to make. Um, uh, we might know Friday night, Saturday morning, but most likely whoever is out there an hour and a half before a game and is under center, uh, under the starting center, which is Cooper Mays, We'll know who the starting quarterback is on Saturday night. I think they play two, though, Nick. Trey, what's the overall morale of that team? Is that a team going to fight for four quarters? Is that a team maybe fold on the road uh, if things go uh, a little wild first quarter? Corey, this is a different mindset for this team this year. I mean, you know, um, in, in, in talking with a few folks, they were they were pissed off they lost that, that Pittsburgh game. Uh, last year's team, I'm not going to say they didn't have that kind of drive, but they'd have been like, ah, okay, it's just another game, whatever. This year's Tennessee team, um, they have they're they're buying into to what this coaching staff and what these senior leaders are putting down. That you know this this is going to be like Josh Heupel said, it's a twelve game journey. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but they're they're in these games like you know against Pittsburgh. That was a game when Tennessee got down. Like that was a game where usually you know the last three or four Tennessee teams. They would, have, they would have folded, and Pitt would have won by 28 points, and it would have been ugly and have been over with. But Tennessee was in the game with four or five minutes to go, had an opportunity to tie it up. This Tennessee team this year has a different mindset. Um, they they are attacking every single day. Uh, they they think they can go in and win these games, and that's something that Tennessee really hasn't had uh, in, in probably two to three years. You've got guys, Cade Mays, you know, Matthew Butler, um, Jeremy Banks at, at linebacker, Juwan Mitchell. You've got guys on this squad that can play high quality football, and their their motors are so high. Um, so you look towards those guys as the leaders, like Alante Taylor, and um, I, I expect them to come out and, and play Florida tough as nails. And, and if it gets you know if it gets down to that that halftime where they're down by 14 to 17 points, Corey, I expect them to come out and continue fighting. I don't expect them to just kind of float away. Uh, Trey, I want to ask you, um, beyond just the quarterback, it seems like one of the, the areas that Tennessee's struggling in uh, so far this season has been on the offensive line, uh, not scoring great, uh, depending on whatever metric you want to look at. It seems like run blocking seems to be a little bit better than pass blocking. Uh, is that a, a good assessment, or is that just because there's some uncertainty at who's been a quarterback, different quarterbacks, different offensive line, maybe different schemes? What, what can you tell us about the offensive line? You know, Dan, it was when Cooper Mays went out uh, – uh, what two weeks ago with an ankle injury, Tennessee starting center. Um, they had to slide Jerome Carvin over to center, who's been in that spot before. But it, it threw things off on Tennessee's offensive line. It really did without having Cooper there. Um, Tennessee rushed for – it was not a lot. I, I, I want to say it was about 50, 60 yards against Tennessee Tech. Now, I say that to say this, they didn't have their, they didn't have their starting running back. Uh, they didn't have two of their starting running backs. They played a freshman. Um, that's going to change this week. You have got an offensive line 
that's going to be anchored by Cade Mays. It's going to be anchored by Darnell Wright. They're going to get Cooper Mays back at center, which is going to help that flow when it comes to that offensive production. But also they're getting back Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, potentially Jabari Small back this week. So you get your starting running back in the game with Tyon, it can change things up a little bit because Tennessee was having to rely on a true freshman in Jalen Wright to rush the football behind a line of scrimmage that was missing two guys um, the last two previous weeks. So I think you're going to see a healthy offensive line. And and I, I look at this thing too is, to me, if Tennessee can somehow establish this run against a ferocious Florida front seven, then Tennessee's going to stay in the game. Tennessee can't just drop back, throw outs, and, and throw down the field because the biggest thing to me is is Florida's defensive line. Whoever the quarterback is is not going to have five to six seconds like the quarterback has had in the previous three games. So we're really going to see what this offensive line is about when it comes going up against Florida. And then I think that that will carry into the running game and, and how the quarterback plays. You mentioned Cade Mays. He he suffered the ankle injury last Saturday, correct? Yeah, he was so it was weird. Uh Tennessee Tech got an interception and Cade was trying to tackle the guy for some reason. And he literally he railroaded him. I mean, he he absolutely killed the guy. He saved a touchdown. He saved a touchdown, but in the process, he got up and he could barely walk off the field. Um, but he has had a lot of uh, treatment this week, and I expect him to be go on on Saturday. But he did tweak that ankle just like his brother had a high ankle sprain mm-hmm. for the previous two and a half weeks. Hmm. I know. Who who are the playmakers for uh, for that offense? Um, uh, you spoke about the running back room a little bit. Uh, who's on the outside that's a threat to maybe threaten our secondary? Uh, first off, you got to watch for kickoff returns and punt returns. That's Bayless Jones Jr. Uh, from Mobile, Alabama. Played at USC for four years before transferring to Tennessee. Uh, right now, he's averaging around 30 yards per return on kickoff returns. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see if, if Florida decides to kick to him on Saturday. Punt returns, he has actually taken over that spot as well. Uh, so he is one of Tennessee's leaders when it comes to wide receivers. Uh, he is number one. Uh, on the field, that's his jersey number. And he's the type of guy that can line up in the slot, get down the field, or line up on the outside and stretch it. I think your other two guys you have to pay attention to this weekend are Jalen Hyatt. Um, He left the game two weeks ago with a slight concussion. Uh, He should have had a a catch, and he ended up busting the back of his head, had a slight concussion. He'll be back this week. And then I I think you guys saw the play – Last weekend, Jimmy Callaway. Jimmy Callaway is now healthy for Tennessee, number nine for Tennessee. Uh, he took a 45-yarder to the house, um, and, and, and and he's explosive. They've been waiting for him to come back. He is the type of guy that's going to stretch the field against Florida. He, he, is, he is fast enough. He's going to test Florida cornerbacks, and he's going to get by them a couple times. It's going to happen. He is that fast. He's that good. They've been waiting for him to come back. He had an MCL scope. Um, earlier kind of in fall camp. So with him healthy now, you know, that gives them Bayless Jones, Jalen Hyatt. It gives them Jimmy Callaway. Um, you know, you can also throw in Walker Merrill, who's a speedster freshman right now. And then let's not forget Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman, number four, has been Joe Milton's favorite target since he got to Tennessee, uh, even that first game. 
He's been targeted over 17 times in the first three games. He's a, a six foot five wide receiver who can go up and get the football. He's going to stretch Florida out a little bit too, but I wouldn't expect to see him get past the Florida cornerbacks where Tennessee's going to use him is if they're inside Florida's red zone and they want to get up and get to the end zone and, and, and try to make a play. So, Tennessee's wide receiver core is deep. Like they've got some guys, um, but it's all about you know how they can get off the ball against the Florida secondary. Trey, I was just going to ask you about the the speed of, of the offense. I, I think Tennessee put out uh, yesterday was just a small typo in there, a, a little graphic that said that they're number one in the country with three point oh eight plays per per minute. Um, does that change at all if if they're not able to? to score as quickly or if they're getting off the field quickly, is this a team that's obviously, you know, against the Pittsburgh game, that's a game that we'll look at the closest. Were they changing their offense if they weren't as explosive on offense to maybe slow down a little bit? Or are they just going to always just be running full speed the whole time? That's just Josh Heupel in that system. They're just going to go, Dan. I mean, and, and they really are. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They, they don't care how tired the defense is. They're just going to roll. You know, Rodney Garner – Tennessee's defensive line coach. Everybody in the SEC knows who Rodney Garner is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he spoke about it yesterday. You got to have you got to have ten to eleven guys on that defensive line ready to go, because that offense. They, the biggest thing is they can't care about the defense. And I know that sounds really really selfish, but the only way this Tennessee team is going to beat some guys in the SEC this year is by outscoring them. So they they have to do whatever they have to do when it comes to on offense. If that is scoring within 20 seconds on a 70-yard deep ball because they get behind somebody and the defense got to go right back on the field, they got to deal with it. Um, Josh Heupel's not going to slow this down. If he was going to do something like that, Harrison Bailey would be the quarterback right now and not Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker. So what you see right now is what you're going to get against uh, Florida. They're – they're not going to slow it down. They're going to put it up against the defense to be ready and be juiced up on the field. Sticking with um, with Garner there, um, Tennessee's run defense is, is number two in the SEC right now, uh, giving up less than 55 yards a game. I think I had questions about Florida's rushing attack after the first two weeks. It's FAU, it's USF. Is it fool's gold? Um, they do it again against Alabama last week, and, and now it's no longer fool's gold. It looks like Florida can run against anybody and kind of impose their will. How can Tennessee slow down, stop, or, or affect Florida's running game, which, which is coming off a really impressive week against Alabama? Just straight-up run zone defense. Hell, I don't know how they stop it, to be honest with you. And, and, and I look, Tennessee has some guys up front. Um, this is what Tennessee's missing. And I've, I've said this to Nick before. Tennessee's missing a monster on the defensive line. Somebody that they can rely on on third and two, uh, on second and four, whatever that might be, to make a stop, uh, to get to the quarterback or get to the running back. Right now, Tennessee has a lot of guys on the defensive line that are, um, and I'll, I'll say average, you know, SEC players. But – they're really good at – Rodney Garner has been really good at simplifying the defense. So they understand – it's not like they had when they had Jeremy Pruitt, where Jeremy Pruitt would sit there on a Thursday at practice and sit there and draw up a completely different defensive scheme that he wanted his team to run on Saturday. So you got guys out there all confused. Like now you have this thing with, with Rodney Garner and, and the defense where it's simple. They know what they're supposed to do. 
stop the run if they can, put pressure, bring Tyler Barron or Byron Young off the edges, get to the quarterback, stop the outside run, you know, with Jeremy Banks at linebacker, you know, or 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 Jawan Mitchell. I'll I'll be interested to see if that that stat holds up, Nick, about them being that where they are in the conference because Florida that was a hell of a performance they, they put up against Alabama running the football. Alabama couldn't stop them. And, and Florida controlled the time of possession, you know, at times during that game with what they're doing running the ball. With Florida, I'm interested to see how much they switch that up between em- either Emory running the ball, Anthony, or they let their running backs do it. Either way, if they can get outside the pocket, they're going to cause Tennessee a lot of problems. So Tennessee's going to try to stuff that interior where, where Florida can't get to the outside they can do that maybe they have some success if not i don't think tennessee has enough speed on the outside to keep up with the gators in that front and what about at the linebacker position um how, do, how does tennessee shake out at, at linebacker um and and do you see I mean, how do you expose the, the tennessee linebackers um maybe in pass coverage i'm gonna make it real quick for you dan run a slant okay tennessee cannot cover a slant i don't care and we've seen that with Henry Toa Toa going to Alabama. He still can't cover a slant. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Tennessee has not been – if you line up against Tennessee and you run a 10-yard slant over the middle and get right outside the inside linebacker, you're probably going to complete it. I can't figure out why in the world Tennessee had been able to stop this. But I will say Jawan Mitchell, Texas transfer, he is a go-getter. He is a guy that can fly around the field. Um, he can be a guy that helps Tennessee out in, in pass protection. Jeremy Banks, not really. Jeremy Banks is your headhunter. That's what Jeremy Banks is on the field for. So if, if Florida wants to expose Tennessee, they try to do it over the middle of the field area. Um, Tennessee will drop down Theo Jackson from that star position at times and try to get him to help when it comes to coverage right there. But linebacker-wise, you know, Jeremy Banks and Jawan Mitchell, who you'll probably see starting, Tennessee's been rotating four guys in at linebacker. The other two have been Solon Page and Aaron Beasley. If Tennessee can figure out the right rotation and, 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 and be able to, to stop Florida up front at first – and then see what Florida does on that back end, getting behind the linebackers. I think that's going to tell you what you need to see for the entire game. If if Florida comes out and they and they roll their tight ends, and they're just having progress after progress right there across the middle, you're going to see a long game for Tennessee because Jeremy Banks, unfortunately, is is not picked all of that up yet when it comes to coverage. So I, I'm interested. Tennessee is here. Here's the crazy part, guys. Tennessee had no linebackers in the spring. Like none. They were rolling with the long snapper as a linebacker in practice. They've got Juwan Mitchell now. They've got Jeremy Banks. Aaron Beasley's back from his little conundrum offseason cat situation suspension. Um, and then they've got and then they've got Solomon Page still, um, who had a pick six last week. I just think if Tennessee's going to do something against Florida, they're just gonna have to blitz. They got the blitz like crazy, and they're gonna have to rely on Alante or Theo Jackson to take up for that linebacker spot in coverage. So we're going to find out. Are they are they a blitzing team? I know that they had you know a number of sacks against Tennessee Tech, but are they a, a scheming defense that that does blitz a lot, or are you saying that they're going to 
just have to, to try to scheme up something to, to make Emory Jones throw the ball. Dan, they really rely on they really rely on their edges to get to the quarterback. Now, I think that'll change this week. I don't think you've seen Tennessee's defense fully mm-hmm. yet at all. Yeah, I know for a fact you haven't seen some of their blitz packages yet, and, and they'll throw that out there against Florida this weekend. Tennessee's relying a lot on Tyler Barron coming off one edge, and they're relying on Byron Young, who was just made eligible last week. Um, he had some problems with uh, a prep school down in Mobile, couldn't play the first two games. But he is the type of player that can get after the quarterback, and Tennessee loves Byron Young. They love his ability. He's act, he's a freak. I, I've seen him in practice. He can get after the quarterback. He's fast. He's big. So how does Tennessee do it? Can Tyler Barron and Byron Young, can they, can they you know, can they work together to get to the quarterback or is one going to drop back and be a spy? You know, I'm interested to see when Tennessee goes all out on Emory Jones because you guys saw this against Alabama. If you get outside, you know, the, those tackles, Emory Jones is going to make you pay for it through the middle. So how does Tennessee play that um, and, and play that spy position is going to be key to me. But they, they've, got some, they've got some guys that will be able to get after the quarterback. And, and I think it all starts with Barron and Byron Young. Real quick, Trey, how do we on offense again? How do they get they, their signals in? Do you think crowd noise to slow that tempo down a little bit? I don't. I think they've done a good enough job right now um, with 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 their hand signals. Um, okay. they'll, they'll, be, they'll be able to go. Um, the good part about this is, and talking with folks, Joe Milton, I was told he, you know, five, six plays that he can go to. You know, if, if something goes wrong, he can go to, you know, immediately. Um, but you won't see – and that's the key thing. I'm glad you brought that up. You won't see Tennessee huddling on, on Saturday. Unless it's a dead ball, then you'll see Tennessee huddle up. But the biggest thing is they're coordinate, and I, this is what I've been surprised about. For a team that's still learning this type of new offense and even you know college players, high school players, they've actually picked it up pretty well. They've been getting the signals in from the sideline. Cooper, The center will look over, get his signal for the line. Uh, the wide receivers are doing a good job with theirs. So I've actually been surprised that there haven't been really many hitches when it comes to false starts or or things along those lines right now or, you know, lining up in legal formation. Tennessee's done good. Now, they haven't gone on the road and they hadn't been to the swamp. The swamp gets crazy. I'll be interested to see what it looks like compared to last weekend. I know it's hard to come back emotional-wise, fan-wise, to get back in it after giving everything you had last weekend. but. Tennessee, to me, has done a pretty darn good job of communicating to their players on the field, but that changes on Saturday. I, I want to, you know, they tried it at practice, you know, yesterday, and they're doing the crowd noise and everything like that. They busted two speakers at practice yesterday, <laughs> so they're trying. But it, you can never, you can never duplicate it. You can't duplicate it with those speakers at practice to what you hear. Uh, during the game. So we'll find out Saturday how they really handle it. We're um, in just talking about the letdown. I think the, there was so much excitement for the Alabama game last week. Um, it just doesn't feel that same, that, that same level this week with Tennessee um, where, and maybe it's just because from a Florida fan perspective, they've won 15 of the last 16, a rivalry starts to kind of lose its shine. And it's luster. If, if there's not a back and forth, Where's Tennessee in terms of the fan base uh, in the excitement level of, of this week and playing Florida and, and the chance to knock off the Gators? 
I haven't even seen them on Twitter, man. Are they alive? <laughs> if they were on Twitter, Silk would have riled them up and found them. Like, I can't make anybody mad, man. Yeah, I think Tennessee fans are taking the 19 and a half points. Uh, I think it, I, I, it's it's hard to gauge right now, man. Tennessee fans are a wait and see approach right now, and honestly, I don't blame them. I mean, the the, the stuff that they've been through the last three to four years, guys, I, and the fact that they're still spending money, and and when it all breaks down to it, take rivalries out of it, man. We're just talking mm-hmm. about football. Tennessee fans have been through the ringer. I mean, yeah. they, they're since literally like Kiffin, right? Right. Since <laughs> Kiffin. I mean, they're they're putting ninety to hundred thousand people in the stadium in in this stadium and. They're not getting a return on their on, on their investment, you know. And this year, they've kind of shown it. Tennessee's only averaged about eighty thousand people for the first mm. two games of the season out of one hundred and two thousand. Um, and honestly, I don't even think they've hit that mark. I think that's just tickets sold. Um, I, so, Tennessee fans are cautious. They're not going to talk a lot of shit this week. Excuse my language about Florida because they don't know what to expect out of this team. You know, mm-hmm. I. It's interesting. I, I had somebody. I was talking with somebody inside the Tennessee football building yesterday, and they said to me, "Tennessee fans should just see this game as go down there." And and, it, and they reminded me of the 2016 Alabama Tennessee game. And you, I don't, you guys probably aren't going to remember this, but Tennessee went down there with Butch Jones and, and Josh Dobbs and Jalen Hurd, but they weren't supposed to win that game. You know, it was like a 20 point underdog type of game. They go down there and and they're leading with two minutes to go in the game. Yeah, and Alabama drives back down. Derrick Henry, I think it was Derrick Henry, if I'm not mistaken. Who? Yeah, scores a touchdown. That person told me, "Man, we just got to go down there and have fun. Like we just have to go down there, have fun, play good football, and try to be in the game. And if we can't, that's okay. But at least we're going down there. And we're putting forth our best effort. I think Tennessee fans are sitting in a situation where right now they're like, man. We would love to beat Florida. We would love to make this a rivalry game, but we have to be realistic in our expectations. So I, I, I think that that fans are looking at this one and like, okay, don't go get embarrassed. Go down there, and, and, and if you're going to lose, lose by 14 points. You know, at least be in it in the fourth quarter. And I think that's okay to expect that with a team that only has 71 scholarship players right oh, now. Wow. So – I. I look at this thing and um, I understand why my fans are, are, are apprehensive. And um, I think you'll see that with, with the amount of Tennessee fans that usually show up to Gainesville. I, I don't think you will, you will see that this weekend at all. Sounds Art. like a, a baseball and basketball school now, Trey. Dude, I'm telling you, dude, they got, they got more reaction off the fall baseball college world series that they're doing in their exhibition games uh, than they did off football. But that's good, though. Hey, look, it's if you're not going to be good at football, you better be damn good at basketball and baseball. There so, you go. Hmm. You know, it is what it is. But I, I think right now that Josh Heupel and them are doing a really good job um, of trying to get things in order because it's been such a mess when it comes to re- recruiting infractions and NCAA and fan apathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just trying to get things going in the right direction. So, Trey, oh, go ahead. So, no, no, go ahead. No, I got something that's not Florida. Um, 
I, I wanted to ask, does it seem like the fan base is, I know you said they're on a wait and see approach and there's still a lot. There's only been three games in probably nine months. Does it seem like the fan base is pretty behind Josh Heupel? Didn't seem like a lot of them were very excited when he got hired. You know, Danny White gets hired as the AD, says he's going to have this big national search. Tennessee is still considered, you know, a big job uh, in a lot of sports circles. They end up with his former <coughs> head coach at UCF. Um, it seemed like there was maybe some apathy at the time, but does it seem like he's won fans over since then? I think going back to that search too, real quick, Tennessee tried their hardest on some, some big names. And then when it came down to it, I referenced this the other day in a story that I wrote. When it came down to it, Danny White had to pull a Scott Strickland and go and say, okay, man, I really don't want to hurt my former school that I was at, and I've already taken a bunch of employees with me as well, but i got to go hire the head coach. That's kind of the situation that Danny White was in when he took over the job because he got turned down by a lot of people. He got a, he got, he got, he got a little bit close with James Franklin, but I think Franklin ended up just wanting the more money. But mm -hmm. they did get kind of close there. So with Heupel, Josh Heupel comes in and he's, he's trying to cater to the fan base. He's, he's, he's learning all the different traditions and whatnot. But really, guys, when it comes down to it, he just want, the fans just want to see a team that wins. But they don't care. Any, they don't care anymore what a coach does on his post-game coaches show or what he says, you know, on, on vol calls, which is a, a call-in show that, that Tennessee fans have up here. You sound like me. Yeah, they, they just want they just want a winner now. <laughs> and, and, yeah. they, and I don't I don't blame them because over the past couple of years, Jeremy Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt didn't give a shit what went on. He was just worried about straight up coaching on the field. Mm -hmm. Josh Heupel is at least embracing what is going on in Knoxville and trying to be that magnet that gets fans back involved in the program. And by doing that, guys, it's showing off what this offense can do. Because, you know, Tennessee's dealt with just crap offense the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, besides the Dobbs years. So, you know, four years, really. If he can just put something on the field that's – that's competitive and scores a lot of points, then you have to be excited about that. I mean, look how many points they scored against Bowling Green, Pitt, and Tennessee Tech. Those are more points scored in those three games than Jeremy Pruitt has scored, you know, in, in the last two years of a football season. So I, I just look at it and think, okay, if you could take your time, if you can work on how you're going to play this thing out offensively and get fans back motivated in these games, and to do that, guys, it's going to be by beating South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, you know, and then maybe playing close, you know, with Florida, Alabama, or Georgia, one of them. You just got to go take care of the games you can. And then down the road, once Tennessee gets better, they can start competing with Alabama, Georgia, and Florida maybe. Got to beat those blue bloods, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. You better. Hell, if you lose to them, you know it's bad. So yeah, No, that's right. You're right. And they have. It, right. You you can't. And, and that's the and that's the biggest thing. So you better take care of business of the games that fans expect you to take care of. And then, you know, play close with the ones that, that sure. look like potential blowouts. Hey, Trey, we're three games in. So what we know now, um, I mean, a lot of people picked Georgia to win the East and, and kind of thought the SEC was going to be Georgia and Bama in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the league and, and who could possibly win this thing now with uh, three games in? You know, I like I like. I like the way Florida played last weekend. So I'm getting, we're getting kind of a one game sample out of Florida. I want to see how Florida bounces back against Tennessee. That's the biggest thing. 
Um, if they can bounce back, put up a good performance against Tennessee, look stable on offense and defense, then I think Florida is going to be right there messing around with Georgia for the SEC East. Another team I'm interested to see if they just had a crap game and just didn't show up is Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's got a quarterback. Kentucky's got a running back and Rodriguez. Um, they, they've, they've got a defense. Can they go to South Carolina and put a beating on the Gamecocks this weekend? You know, and kind of establish it like you would think Mark Stoops would be able to be able to get to that nine ten mark. You know, with this type of lineup. So, really, I I think in the SEC East we're looking at can Florida duplicate this performance and and beat up on Tennessee and look good rest of the season. But then now can Kentucky bounce back off a bad performance against Chattanooga and go take care of South Carolina, which is then going to lead to, to the Florida game next week. So can they do that, and then can they get on a roll? So I think that's what it looks like for the East. Out of out of the West, I mean, you know, what, what's Texas A&M going to do? How they're going to play with Calzada and not Haynes King? You know, if if LSU goes to Mississippi State and loses this weekend, all hell is going to break loose in Baton Rouge. Oh, and hell, better get, hell better start the the, the, uh, the pregame party. <laughs> You, well, I mean, you, how much? How much does? How much does a nineteen zero season so. national championship? How much? How much rope does that give you before you hang yourself? I mean, it's only you're only what 12, 13 games removed from that. Ask Gene Chizik, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a rough thirteen games, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Gene's yeah. Gene's doing a great job in SC yeah. Network now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, like, I like that. I would like that job, of Coach O, but he don't talks well well enough for that job. Oh, you know he what? talks plenty fine. Yeah. Usually, not from the area of the country that can understand him. That's a good. It's <laughs> a good way to put it, man. We kind of know how it goes down there in Louisiana. Being from <laughs> the deep south, okay, it is what it is. I tell you something else that it really intrigues me is this Arkansas A and M matchup because right. if Arkansas can beat Texas A and M on Saturday, that sets up a big game next weekend in Athens against Georgia. So I, I'm very interested in that 3:30 Eastern time game on CBS. You know, can Arkansas go in there, run the football against AM? Um, or can AM finally establish a running game without Haynes King and try to set up Jimbo? Because one more loss and you know, Texas A Texas AM will be out of contention, in my opinion, with a loss to Arkansas, just because of the way this league kind of plays out, the way Alabama's playing and whatnot. Um what about two weeks from now? Alabama Ole Miss. That's one that I want to see. Ole yeah, Miss put yeah. up six hundred something yards last year. That that's the big one to me. I mean, it, it really, and I can't wait to be in Tuscaloosa for that one. Uh, it, it's going to be fun with Matt Corral. I, the kid, he might be one that's of my great. favorite quarterbacks in the conference. To be honest with you, he's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go down to Alabama, and you get in a shootout like you did last year, but then Alabama's kind of not playing as well. Alabama receivers had a very hard time getting open against Florida. If you they, go, they, they, they seem to be playing well the first two weeks. It's just the last week, right? <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. okay. Look who, you're, look who you're playing. Miami looks like dog crap this year. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. when, when you when you look at what Ole Miss can do, man, if they can go out on there and score some points in Tuscaloosa, that's going to be a fun game. And you know, Kiffin's got some stuff up his sleeve for Nick Saban. The same as Saban's got something up his sleeve. For, for Lane Kiffin, but if there was ever a year that Lane Kiffin could beat Nick Saban, I think it's this year. Mm. You heard it here we'll first. See. We'll see. I love it. Yeah. Well, Trey, let's get a, a quick – do you do score predictions or 
I will. will if you, you want me to cover predictions. Too. Yeah, let's get a, let's get a score prediction from you. Uh, I'm going to go 38-21 Florida over Tennessee. So if, that, if, if you guys score that many points, uh, you may have a defensive coordinator in Ty Grantham <laughs> that you, you could possibly hire. Don't hey, look, just, just be cautious. If, if Tennessee gets things going on the running game, uh, that could potentially open up a little bit. But like I said earlier, I think this game's kind of close in the third quarter. Then in the fourth quarter, I think Florida kind of breaks away from it. But Tennessee covers the spread this weekend. Silk's been waiting to give Todd Grantham a pink slip, and I think 21 points this, I'm a this fair Saturday person. will do I'm it. I'm a fair person. 21, uh, I think the Twitter streets will get him out of here, and we may have to hire <laughs> Men Diaz. There you go. <laughs> so sorry, hiring Miami's head coach to be Florida's new defensive coordinator. He's hitting the Rob over as a G- <laughs> as a uh, an off the field guy. Yeah, we Florida, recruit. Florida State should have some open positions over the next couple of weeks too. So not interested in State over there. <laughs> I don't think they can't afford to fire anyone, so they might just keep everybody on board. Everybody can afford to fire someone. You just got to find true. a little cause. Look at Tennessee. Just, just find a little cause. That's it. Create oh, some cause. Man. Well, Trey, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. Um, Outkick.com, Trey Wallace. Uh, remind everybody where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Uh, follow us at Outkick, putting up some great SEC content every single day. Um, and just uh, getting in the getting in the groove of things. So I appreciate you guys having me. Have fun this weekend uh, down in Gainesville, and uh, I look forward to doing this again soon. Absolutely. Right, Thanks so much. Keep good work, Trey. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Carp. All right, boys. Same time, same corner next week. See same you guys. corner, same time, Dan. You got to remember he your own catchphrase. He did that before, too. Duh. He did, he did that he did that Monday. Time. I did it Monday. <laughs> I'll get it right one time. Dan's time mind is already show. in Gainesville. He's yeah, already he at the, the orange table. Boot. He got his frat Buffalo. boy. He got his frat boy plaid shirt on, rope yeah. sleeves rolled up. He ready to do a kegger. That's right. I, I, I think already, I think Dan's trying to bring me by the by the fraternity house this weekend. I, think yeah, that's I, already, I already texted Zico. He got some things on the works, and let's go. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time this weekend. Nick, get uh, get ready, my friend. Oh, I'll try. Already. So. Alrighty, so same corner, same time, as I've said repeatedly on this show. We'll see you guys next week.